Amen. So back in college, I was watching um, The World's Strongest Man on ESPN5. Have you ever seen this? World's Strongest Man. And uh, back in college, this was my career path. This is what I was going to be until I started following Jesus. He ruined all my plans, called me to be a pastor. And that's the only reason, really, why I'm not, you know, the world's strongest man currently. Um, you're giggling. That's rude. Is it because of how I look? Because it feels like it right now. Um, world's strongest man. The numbers might be different now. Records are made to be broken. But 10 years ago, the strongest man in the world could bench press 1,150 pounds. That's like 650 more than what I bench. It's like absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Like, that, it's impressive. I picture Chris Hemsworth on steroids, just like this specimen of a human being. Impressive, right? You want to know what's more impressive than that is his wife bench presses 405 pounds, roughly 10 times what Ethan benches. It's insane. This guy's wife bench presses that. Also impressive. They have kids, too. And I don't know what their kids bench. I really don't. I don't know much about their kids. I don't know their names. I know that they have the strongest parents in the world. And so if I had to guess, they probably don't get picked on a lot at school. They've probably never had their lunch money stolen, right? Like, that would be weird. That would be funny. Like, on the playground, they probably have eh, more confidence than your average third grader because they know and understand who their parents are, right? Like, if that wasn't the case, it'd be, it'd be weird. If you saw a family picture of the strongest parents in the world and then these little kids who are, like, timid and shy and scared at recess, like, that's just weird. It just, it, like, all I'm saying, it looks weird. And where I'm going with that is, guys, you and I are children of the most powerful being who has ever existed and will ever exist. A God who does whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it, and nobody challenges him. Nobody holds up a hand and says, you can't do that. Nobody takes him to court when they're unhappy for the way that he's running the creation that he breathed out of his mouth, right? He is the God who was there before the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the God who, who made you, who saved you, and calls you his kid. And this dad, this heavenly dad, looks at his kids and says, ask me for anything. Do it. Ask for anything. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find. And I'm, I'm quoting the Bible there. That's all I'm doing because I know there's, uh, there's some hearts in here that are like mine that are checking me right now going, okay, pastor, but like, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's be careful because God's sovereign and he's going to do what he's going to do. And the Lord works in mysterious ways. And another coffee cup saying I can throw out there, right? Like it's, it's his timing and his will. And okay, okay. But let me just venture a wild guess here and, and, and say, I bet you don't pray as much as you think you should. And for some of you, that might be because, well, I just, I don't know how. And I love that. And I'm glad that you're here. And we're going to talk about that. But for a lot of us, it's because here's the narrative. Here's the narrative. 
God's going to do what God's going to do regardless of me. And I pray a little bit because I'm supposed to. Um, but he's going to do what he's going to do, right? Regardless of, and, and so I, I, uh, I'll pray like here and there, but I'm not inspired to. I'm not, I'm not challenged to, right? And I kind of feel guilty for that. And so I make up for my lack of prayer by worrying more and upping my podcast intake, and I call that prayer. I'm describing me. And, okay, there were, a, a few years ago, um, we got challenged. I still don't remember who it was who said this to us, but I was with Ryan and Ethan, and somebody challenged us. It was like a, a, a pump-up pep talk that we got, like this guy Gosh, I'll think of the name at some point in the sermon, but he basically like huddled us up like Denzel from uh, Remember the Titans, like, boys, take a knee. Let me tell you something about this God that you serve and the prayers that you, pl that you pray and the dreams that you dream. And he said, dream a dream so big, pray a prayer so big that only God can make that thing happen. That way, when it comes to pass, not if, but when, he will get all the glory for it, right? And that like, that fired me up, man. That was like the divine permission that I needed. I think a lot of us need that because essentially, here's what that's saying. It's, it's saying, God, uh, um, no matter how big my prayers are, I believe you're bigger and I believe you're able. No matter how big this dream that I have is, I believe that you're bigger. No matter how big the mountain standing in front of me right now is, you're bigger than it. No matter how dark the storm that I'm walking through right now is, you're brighter than it. And that's not to minimize our mountains or our storms. That's to maximize the God in your life, right? Like you understand that God and Satan are not in a, like they're not battling. They're not fighting each other right now. Those two are not in the octagon duking it out while all of us are up in the bleachers with our rally caps on and fingers crossed, trying to get the wave going, hoping that, that God can come out on top and the good guys can win one. Like, that's not, that's not what's going on. There is no fight. Maybe there was one, but the battle is over, and nobody knows that or understands that more than the devil. I promise you. Like, like there's no fight. If you, could, if you could use your divine imagination and try and picture your God next to Satan, it is impossible to make God big enough and make the devil small enough. If you could try, just try to picture like the alpha and the omega next to all of your fears and all of your worries and all of your doubts, it is impossible to make those things small enough next to, like they cower in his presence. They like he, he was there before the beginning. God does not have problems the way we have problems in life. God doesn't stay up at night worrying about things. God is not stressed. He is the world's strongest dad. He speaks, and suddenly galaxies are there. He can bench press the entire universe. And that dad, once again, says, ask me for it anything. Just ask me. Ask me for anything. And so here's my thesis for the day, and here's, it, it's my goal to, to prove this to you in hopes that we all walk out of here more inspired and more challenged. And, and here's the thesis right here. Through prayer, you have a say in the universe. 
through prayer, you have a say in history, in how this whole thing plays out. Okay, so if that's not motivation right there to pray, okay, because what that means, and go to, go to James chapter 4, verse 2. I'll read it to you really quick. You do not have because you do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask. So what does that not mean? That does not mean that you'll have even if you don't ask because God's sovereign and he has a plan that he's going to do regardless. Like this is not a trick verse here to trip you up. This is not a layered verse. There's no context behind this that you need to get before you get James 4.2. You do not have because you do not ask. And so literally that means there are good things in your life that have happened and the only reason those things have happened is because you or somebody else prayed for them to happen. And maybe there's things, this is a little haunting to me, that like good things that haven't happened. And the only reason they haven't happened is because I, I've never asked for them to happen. You, ha you have not because you have not yet asked. Prayer does not change God, but prayer changes things. And prayer changes us. Prayer works. And God has given you a say in the universe. I'll prove it to you even more. The Bible begins in Genesis in a garden, right? The Bible finish, finishes in Revelation in a city. So it starts in a garden and it ends in a city, which means the Garden of Eden was never a finished product, but rather a project that God is bringing to completion, to fruition, by partnering with human beings. And, and think of how ridiculous that, that is right there, what I just said, that God is partnering with human beings. Like you want to think about how history is different because of the bold prayers that men and women have prayed. Moses parted the Red Sea. Like did anybody else just forget about that, right? Joshua asked God to make the sun stand still in the sky so they could finish a battle. And God stopped the rotation of the earth in order to answer his prayer. Jesus prayed for and saw incredible things happen, and we think, oh, well, that's, that's Jesus. But bear in mind, the Son of God also said that you and I would pray for and see greater things than even he did. Prayer changes things. And this is a timeless truth that is as real in 2019 as it was back then, that God is in the covenantal, not contractual, covenantal, relational, partnership business of answering prayer, of keeping promises, of breathing life into dreams and doing miracles. I would say more history has been changed in prayer closets than political buildings. Through prayer, we have a say in the universe. But don't take my word for it. Once again, let's see what Jesus says about prayer. 
If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 11, go straight there. We're going to start just in in verse 1 in Luke 11. And and, and so here it is. One day, it'll be up on the screen too. One day as Jesus was in prayer, one of his disciples came over to him as he finished and said, Would you teach us a model prayer that we can pray just like John the Baptist did for his disciples, right? And so this is already... Kind of weird because guarantee you this disciple, this guy knows about prayer. The Jewish culture back then was immersed in prayer. This guy was brought up like like he, he knew how to pray and yet he goes to Jesus to ask Jesus more about it. And so there's something intriguing about Jesus. And so at the risk of sounding like a broken record, um... In Austin, you guys, over the next two decades, you watch this as the secular salvation promises out there continue to not deliver, continue to fail. Jesus will continue to become more and more beautiful and more and more intriguing to to people, to thousands of people who never thought in a million years that he would. Like there's a reason that he's history's most familiar, formidable figure. There's a reason they tried to kill him 2,000 years ago and he still won't go away. There's a reason, there's a reason that major cities across the planet are named after his followers. He's intriguing today. He was intriguing back then. And Jesus taught them this prayer. He says, he says, do it like this. Our heavenly father, may the glory of your name, the glory of your name be the center on which our life turns. So notice the first thing Jesus says when you start your prayer, get your eyes up. Get your eyes, get your eyes up. Like if, you've, if you're new to, pray, to prayer, if you've never prayed before and you feel like, man, I, I just don't know how to do it, uh, Jesus is saying, hey, if you need some structure, first of all, there's no wrong way to pray. God just wants, just wants you to be with him. But he's saying, hey, if you need some structure, if that helps, then start by praising him. Because what praising him and thanking him does, it gets your focus up. You fix your focus and you incline your heart and watch what that does to your posture. Because you you will go from a my problems perspective to a God perspective, right? And watch how much that changes your posture throughout the day to, to, to get a God perspective and go, oh. That's who I'm talking to. I don't nonchalantly step into his presence. I, I behold him. God, you don't need me to praise you. And you're right, he doesn't. Right now, he has thousands of angels in his throne room on their faces crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You praising him just reminds you of that. That I'm not praising him to butter him up because I'm about to ask for something. I'm praising him because of how it sets my heart and my posture. God, you're good. God, you're big. God, nobody intimidates you. God, you're not losing sleep tonight. You're my dad. I'm your kid. And I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. (sighs) Breathe out. That's what worship does, by the way. That's why you feel so good when it's over. And then Jesus says, after that, you continue and go, may your Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. Manifest your kingdom on earth. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Austin as it is in heaven. And give us our needed bread for the coming day. Forgive our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Think about the fact that Jesus included you forgiving somebody in the Lord's prayer, right? Uh, This is a big deal. I've heard it said, the act of forgiveness is the act of wholeness. When you forgive somebody in your life, you're getting a piece of you back that was lost. Forgive our sins as we ourselves for, like, release forgiveness to those who have wronged us and rescue us every time we face tribulations. And he says, okay, so now ask, ask God. He knows what you need. Ask him. Like God, left or right here, trying to make some pretty big life decisions in my 20s, in my 30s, God. Like what, like left or right? Like, like how many of you wish you could just take God to Starbucks and sit down with him for one hour over an orange mocha frappuccino and just ask him questions about your future, right? Like, am I alone in that? Like, you, you sit down with God and go, thank you for meeting me here, God. Uh, thank you for the coffee, for inventing it. Um, how are, how's the universe? You must be busy. I know, like, how's Jesus? How's Gabriel? Are they good? Oh, by the way, who should I marry, Right? Oh, by the way, what job should I take? Oh, by the way, like, should I move or should I stay? Oh, by the way, should I rent or should I buy? Is it a, like, is Austin in a bubble? Is this whole thing gonna collapse? Like, what's the next Bitcoin? I promise I won't, you just tell me. I won't tell anybody else, right? Like, like, like God, you say, Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm even quoting like your book, like you have good plans for my future and they're, they're good plans. And if I could just get like, a, like a, a detailed brochure complete with pictures of all the plans that you have for my life, I'm like, okay, move here uh, in this year, take that job, marry that person, do that, don't do that. Like if I could get that, that would be amazing right now. Like I wish that's how God worked, but it's not, it's not. In fact, I'm going to tell you why you might feel like it's difficult to hear God speaking in your life, like frequently, Um, because I've sometimes wondered, like, God, why is it so hard to hear you? Why is it so hard to hear you? And it's because although God has an outdoor voice and knows how to use it, he usually, and you can go read this in 1 Kings chapter 19, I think, God does not typically proclaim things to us from a mountaintop or in a storm or in an earthquake. What God tends to do, what he usually does is whisper. And how do you hear somebody who's whispering? You lean in. You get close. This is what prayer is. You leaning in. Proximity with God. God still speaks Your life is just loud. And I would say he loves you so much that he wants you as divinely close as he can possibly get you. Because while provision from him is great, and while God knows everything that you need, and while God even knows how to bless and spoil his kids, God also knows that more than provision, what your soul is really looking for is his presence, intimacy with him. And you find that by leaning in. And so I'm like, God, thank, like, thank God that you whisper. 
Because now I get close. Now I pray. And God knows what we like to forget, and that's this right here, that the process of praying and the process of leaning in will grow you and change you in more ways than simply just having all of your prayers answered today ever could. The process of prayer is actually better than the provision of prayer. He might whisper, but whispers are still clear. He's not a God of confusion. You just need to lean in. Prayer equals presence. And then Jesus goes on and he said, like Jesus is about to tell a story right here. So he, he does like, here's, here's your uh, sample prayer to kind of base how you, like if you're going to base your prayer off of something, do it off of this, okay? And then he goes on and he says, let me tell you a story, which he does a lot. He's like, here, here's a parable about prayer. And we're going to read this and you're going to think that this is the most ridiculous story you've ever heard. You're like, Jesus, you could tell anything and you chose to tell this. And, and what it's going to do is we're going to circle back here in this sermon, and I'm going to prove to you, based on, based on Jesus' story, that our thesis for this sermon is true. And to remind you, our thesis for the sermon is through prayer, you have a say in the universe. Through prayer, you have a say in the universe. And I would even go as far to say this. I've been challenged all week to pray big, bold, and specific prayers over my life, over my family, over our church, over our city. And I'm hoping you walk out of here feeling that same challenge and feeling like, like, like what, what, if, what if God preferred big prayers from you? You know how like we pray, but we kind of like give him a million outs while we pray? through like praying small or praying vague. What if he didn't like that? I'm just throwing that out there. What if he preferred big prayers and specific prayers? Because what if big and bold prayers honor him more? What if specific prayers honor him more? Because what if when those prayers come to pass, he gets all the glory for them? Rather than chalking it up to coincidence, it's no. There is not a chance that thing would have happened if God had not intervened what if God preferred bold prayers what if our church could be proof that everything is bigger in Texas but especially the prayers then Jesus gave this illustration imagine what would happen if you were to go to one of your friends in the middle of the night and pound on his door and shout please do you have some food that you can spare? A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly and I have nothing to serve him. But your friend says, why are you bothering me? It is two in the morning. I'm in my pajamas or pajamas. I know some of you have a bold opinion, pajamas or pajamas. So I'm in my, my PJs. The door's locked. My whole family is in bed. I, 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 like, we don't have like three bedroom, four bedroom. It's one, it's one room, okay? Every, I don't want to wake everybody up to get you food because you're unprepared, right? Do you expect me to get up and give you our food? And then Jesus, there's a turn here. He says, but listen, because of your shameless impudence, the NIV says, because of your shameless audacity, this is the Greek word right here for anaidaia, anaidaia. I looked it up phonetically and I practiced it, but I didn't, I didn't say it as confidently and smoothly as I wanted to, but that is how you say it, anaidaia, which, comes, which is rooted in the Hebrew word chutzpah. It's rooted in the Hebrew word chutzpah. 
which means shameless audacity, being blatantly bold, shameless impudence. Because of your shameless impudence, because of your chutzpah, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get up out of his bed and give you all that he needs. Like eventually he'll be so annoyed that in order to go back asleep, he'll get up and give you the food that you need. And then Jesus says, so it is with your prayers. The same way you knock and you knock and you don't stop knocking. And eventually, your prayers through your chutzpah or shameless audacity will move the God of everything. And so I, I heard that the first time, and I'm like, that's not spiritual, that's annoying, right? Because I grew up as like a kid, always kind of afraid of... Um, I, didn't, I never wanted to be a burden or a bother for adults. You know what I mean? And so, like, even as an adult now, like, I hate being a burden or a bother for other adults. That's why I have such a hard time asking people to do stuff, right? And, and it, it, it comes, I think, from a good space in my heart, but there's also, like, a flaw to it because now when I pray, I feel like I'm burdening God and I pray extra politely, which sounds good and Christian, but the only problem with it is there is nowhere that the Bible teaches you to pray politely. Nowhere does the Bible say, be polite. I think we all have manners, and we all just kind of know we should be polite. But, but I challenge you, go like this week, go read the Bible and look for polite prayers. And when you can't find any, switch gears a little bit and look for chutzpah and shameless audacity and, and God's kids being blatantly bold and coming to him with requests and prayers and dreams that are so big because they understand how big he is. And regardless of how big this prayer is, God, you're able and God, you're bigger. Look for that and you're going to find that everywhere, everywhere in the Bible. Ask and you'll receive. This is the last bit of it. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will, be, it will one day be open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. And so what kind of prayer are you? What kid on the playground are you? The timid one or the bold one with chutzpah because you know who your dad is, because here's what I'm here to tell you. You playing small helped nobody ever. You playing small with the gifts, the God-given gifts in your life affected this world in no way, shape, or form. And we call it humility. It's false humility. In the same way, you praying small also helped nobody ever. Nobody ever. Does the size of your prayers match the bigness of your God or not? And so I was thinking, man, man, who, who represents this in the Bible better than anybody? Because I hear everything I'm preaching, and I, I, like my, I have a skeptical heart that goes, ah, show me more. I want to see it in more fine print, right? Like, God, there's no way that my prayers can have an effect on how everything turns out, right? Like, that, that's what you call the reckless love of God. And part of my humanness is just, like, not okay with it. 
God, this is a huge risk that you're taking on human beings, partnering with us. Like, David did not think so. So King David prayed the most ridiculous prayers you've ever heard in your life. Big prayers, bold prayers, specific prayers. God, help me lead this entire nation. God, help us defeat all, not just some, not just if it's your will. Help us defeat all of our enemies. Kill all the bad guys, God, right? God, like, renew in me, like, like, restore my heart and wash away murder and adultery from my heart. This was a thousand years before the cross he prayed this. God, let me dwell in your house forever. God, let me be your favorite kid. Dear God, it's David. I want to be your favorite kid. Thanks. Amen. And I'm like, I, like God loved that. And if you look at David's God perspective that is written all over the Psalms, which is poetry that he wrote, you conclude, man, it's no wonder you prayed prayers like that. Because when you look at God, you, your perspective, oh my, it's not limited by finite thinking. And I want to show you what I'm saying. Psalm 33, 6 through 7. This is David. He writes this. All he had to do was speak. This is him talking about his father. All he had to do was speak by his spirit wind command. And God created the heavenlies. He filled galaxies and stars. The vast cosmos he wonderfully made. His voice scooped out the seas. The ocean depths he poured into vast reservoirs. The NIV says he puts the waters of the deep into jars. So I don't know if you've ever flown over the Pacific Ocean. I did a few years ago. And it took us 14 hours flying at 600 miles an hour to cross that thing. All right? I had a window seat. I love window seats. It was a red eye. And I spent the majority of my flight just looking down at this infinite, black abyss that was the Pacific Ocean, just like wondering what is swimming around down there, right? How deep does that go? Knowing that for most of that journey, the distance between our 747 and the surface of the water was less than the distance between the surface of the water and the ocean floor. And God put that into jars. I've been night surfing before. You should never do it. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. You can't really surf because you can't see. You know the, the line where the sky meets the sea that calls me, that Moana sang about? It's not there because everything's dark. The ocean doesn't stop and neither does the sky. It's all like just eerie and you're floating around and you're like did something just brush up against my leg I swear something did and you're like it's moments like that you don't feel insignificant but you do feel small which is great to feel because your God perspective gets bigger because you understand the ocean is no mystery to him in fact it does what he says in fact he puts it into jars Psalm 8, 3 through 4, let's do one more. This is David again. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. By the way, if you're like, what translation is this? This is poetry on fire. This is uh, the Passion Translation. And in the Psalms, it's amazing. 
when I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But when I look up and I see such wonder and workmanship, I have to ask this question. Compared to all of this cosmic glory, why would you bother, God, with puny mortal man? Who is man that you are mindful of us, right? Or be infatuated, because he is, with Adam's sons. David sat there around a dying fire pretty much every night of his adolescence with his sheep to keep him company and a guitar, noodling away on the old fly swatter. I had to say that. I heard that this week, and it's like, oh, that fits perfectly into David. Um, <laughs> looking up at this, like, 8K IMAX screen above him, saying, God, who, are, who am I that you know my name? And David did not have the luxury of knowing what we know about space. So he looked up. All he saw was the Milky Way galaxy. And he had no idea that David, out there beyond this galaxy, are 80 billion more galaxies just like this one, each God strung across the universe, which, by the way, is enough galaxies for every human being on planet Earth right now to have 10 of their own. He's saying, man, you're big. So this big prayer I've been praying is too small. Isaiah 55 would say, yeah. Because my ways are higher than your ways. In fact, how high the heavens are above the earth, that's how much higher my ways are than your ways. And my thoughts are than your thoughts, right? I've heard it quoted like this. Like if, God, like if this whole thing is real and God really is the creator of all of this, then he would have to be so other, so outside of all of this, that I would not be able to understand the intricacies of his mind any more than the pancake I made for breakfast this morning understands the intricacies of mine. And Isaiah is saying, as a matter of fact, as high as the heavens are above the earth. And so, like, okay, here's where my nerdy brain goes. And so humor my nerdiness for 30 seconds as we do some math and figure this out together. How much higher is that? Like scientifically, how much higher are the heavens above the earth? Like from where we are right now to the edge of the universe that God spoke out of his mouth, the universe that right now is expanding in every direction at the speed of light. How far is it from right here to there? How much higher are the heavens above the earth? How much bigger, God, are you than my biggest prayer? How much bigger are you than the biggest mountain in my life? So follow me here. In order to get around in God's universe, the mile is not really going to help you a whole lot. Okay, so what we, need, what we need is a light year. You're like, well, what's a light year? A light year, okay, so light travels at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles a second. So in the time it takes you to snap your finger, light circumnavigates planet Earth six times. That's how fast it's going. 
And all you have to do is go that speed for one year, and the amount of space, the length, the distance that you cover is one light year. And I was doing some Googling with Tyler before the 4 p.m. service, and we, we like, all you, like, Google's amazing. And it turns out that the distance between, right, like, where you sit right now and the edge of God's universe is 46 billion light years. 46 billion of those. And so next time you're praying bold and big prayers, next time you're faced with a mountain, next time you're walking through a storm or a valley, next time you're starting to have doubts as to whether or not God is seeing what's happening in your life, wondering, God, are you losing sleep over this too? Like, do you know what's happening in our nation right now? Like, are you seeing on the other side? Like, do you see that, God? Like, the next time you are doubting how high the heavens are above the earth, be reminded that his ways and his ability to answer your prayers are 46 billion times bigger than your ability to pray them. And Ben, you can come up. And I'll finish just by saying this. The outcome of prayer is not on you. It's not on me. That's on God. This is a uh, do what you can do, control what you can control. Do your best and let God do the rest. Our obedience to pray, however, is on us. That is on us. And uh, for some reason, for whatever reason, and I don't think any of us will fully know this side of eternity, God um, has chosen to make human beings participants and not puppets. And thank him for that. It makes life so much more interesting. And we, we moved out to Austin about exactly a year ago. On July 2nd, it'll have been exactly a year. And I remember um, praying with Ryan, like that first week we, were, we went to 24, we sat down on the bench, we did one set, and we were both so down that we just, we left and went into the parking lot and just talked and cried and prayed. And he, he's in charge of our life groups. And he was like, man, this is, this is not going to work unless we have people to lead these things. Where are we going to find people to lead these things? And a year later, there's 31 active life group leaders in our church. There's 18, 18 active life groups, seven of which are brand new, launching today in 15 minutes for the very first time, four of which are relaunching. And I'm like, man. God, you, you hear and you respond. I was talking to Ethan because a year ago he was having to do all of our Instagram graphics and figure out how to run social media for an entire church. And that's like, he doesn't even run his own social media. I mean, he does, but he doesn't do a lot on it. And now he's doing like an entire church and he's like pleading with God, send me people, dear God, to help me. And, and now today we have a booming creative team that make our church beautiful out there. I was praying with my wife. She runs the whole show over there in Kids Rock, and we were like, man, we're, we're all so young, and we're just going to be a young church, and there's hardly going to be any kids, but we need, we need more generations. We need more families. We need kids because we, we need kids in our kids' ministry. And so we prayed for that, and last service during the 4 p.m. over there, all service, you could hear giggles, you could hear worshiping. 
You could hear a little like chatting and you know they're talking about the unconditional love of God and Jesus in their lives. And, and I'm, I'm like, man, that will never get old. That will never be an annoying sound. You know what that sound? That's the sound of a healthy church is what it is. That's an answered prayer is what it is. And for like a year, for more than that, we've been praying as a team for a worship leader who gets this culture, who vibes with our staff, who, who loves this church, and that the church feels the same way about. And sure enough, there we go. We got her. She's a Texan. <laughs> 2011, October. It was an October night. That's when we got the call to plant a church for the first time and it was his calling but and this is this is I don't know this is for somebody there's a difference between God's calling and God's timing the calling can come before the timing it's once those two things align and the alignment happened for us in 2016 for us the calling happened in 2011 some of you know the story we were walking around uh, downtown San Diego at night and we got the call and we started praying, God, man, we could plant a church one day. And so we started praying prayers. And since then, we've seen nothing but prayers answered, one after the next. And here's the thing, not always in the way that we expected to see them answered. Like we, we said, God, we're gonna go to San Diego and plant a Red Rocks church. And God was like, yeah, you're gonna go to Austin and do it. Okay, so we, we went to Austin. God, help us find a location in the domain in North Austin. And he said, how about Central Austin? And ever since then, we've seen nothing but evidence as to why he's rerouted us. I actually tend to trust my situation a lot more when I don't get my own way in things. When he reroutes you, and then you start to see evidence as to why, and then you start to love and appreciate it where he brought you, and you could not imagine it any other way. I can't imagine this in a different city or in a different space right now. I can't. I can't imagine that. Like your dreams start to become his dreams as you lean in, right? Like we talk about the process of prayer. Prayer changes you. Prayer does not change God. It changes things and it changes us. And as we go through the process of prayer, it's amazing how our prayers start to like get God flavor to them. As we, as we kind of let go, like some of our like our prayers and our descriptions of our futures that he would go, that's, it's cute, but what about this? What about this? And we start to, we start to, like, we adopt and adapt his dreams into our, our hearts. And I trust it, man. Sometimes God says yes, but let's, let's do it this way. Sometimes God says yes, but not yet. Sometimes God says no, I love you way too much to say yes to that. And for a, uh, for more on that, go listen to Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks. You'll, you'll find everything you need. It explains it so well. Sometimes God says yes and much, much more. Thank you for asking. And so, do your prayers have a say in the universe? According to Jesus, yes, they do. Is praying politely in the Bible? It's not. Go look this week. Don't take it from me. Is chutzpah in the Bible? 
is being blatantly bold in front of your Father in heaven in the Bible. A shameless audacity is knocking until the door is open to you, is asking until you get an answer, is seeking until you find in the Bible. It's everywhere in the Bible, and you see nothing but historical evidence of just that, not just in the Bible times, but in the last 2,000 years. And like, if you pay attention to it, over the next two decades, you will see it happen in Austin, Texas. And so I want to challenge you. Like, there will, there will come a day, 10 years from now, where there will be good things that happened in your life, and the only reason they happened is because you prayed for it and there will be things that maybe have not happened in your life and the only reason for that is you did not ask you have not because you ask not you have a say in the universe you are a participant not a puppet and God wants your bold prayers do not give him like an out with things let, if it's no, let him answer no. I love you too much, but thank you for asking. I love you so much. Pray big, pray bold. Do your prayers match the size of your God? That's my challenge for you today. In your life, in your family, in our church, and in our city, do your prayers, the size of your prayers, do they match the size of your God or not? You have a say in the universe and I I've been praying for inspiration it's been a while man since I have felt inspiration for prayer but I feel it this week I feel a new wave of it coming it's almost like God is daring me ask right now I'm not sure if there's certain seasons where like the ground is more fertile for prayers like seeds but I feel in my heart that right now is that season and that one day, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we will look back <laughs> and say, oh my gosh, evidence. Evidence is everywhere. God is daring you on your spot. And so will you guys stand with me? We're gonna pray. We are together as a family right now and we are about to pray for our church family, big, bold, shamelessly audacious, chutzpah-esque prayers for our church and for our city. And so I'm going to pray them, but I, I am asking you as a family to pray with me and plead to God like a little kid knocking on a door waiting for his father to answer. Ask until he answers. Seek until you find. Pray with me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we love you so much. Thank you for being an amazing father. Thank you for calling us your kids. Thank you for everything you've already done in this city. Thank you for everything you've done in our church. And thank you ahead of time, expectantly, for everything you're going to do over the next 20 years. And so right now, right here with chutzpah, in the name of Jesus, we pray, God, for global partnerships that allow us to reach and serve millions of people around the world. We pray for complete 
complete racial reconciliation in our country by the year 2040. We pray for diversity of age and ethnicity in our church. We pray for this life group launch. We pray that, that, would, that when people sign up tonight, they will be stepping into relationships they will have for the rest of their lives. We pray for the ability to open a God Behind Bars campus as soon as possible. We pray for divine relationships and influence in different political spheres to make Austin better and better so that one day if this church ever went away, our city would feel our absence. We pray for our kids in Kids Rock to grow up confidently believing that they are unconditionally loved. We pray that we would be forced to start a youth ministry because we have so many families with teenagers coming to our church. We pray for financial consistency to do more things and hire more people. We pray that we'd have the reputation of being home on the UT campus. And finally, and God, I am, I am serious. We pray that somebody at some point would give this family, our church, a building. <laughs> a place where we can meet and worship and welcome people home and make heaven more crowded for your fame and for your glory. We pray this with chutzpah and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody at Red Rocks Austin said... Amen. Let's worship.